This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up for a big Wednesday episode of some top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. That is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Yes, we are broadcasting as we always do from the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. But no, we will not be here for long. We're heading down to Oklahoma to do the show from KRMG in Tulsa the rest of the way. And uh, we're probably going to need a couple of bucks for gas to get there. Because new reports indicate that the prices are going right back up. Biden sucks. It's a mess. We're going to get into it in this hour because Corrine Jean-Pierre, Corrine Jean-Pierre got back to the press podium yesterday. And the same woman who said, oh, the president's lowering the price of gas now says, what do you mean the president has nothing to do with these rising prices? She's worse than Kamala. It's a mess. Uh, We'll try to clean it up at 888-788. Nine nine one zero. You know the rule on this show: you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat. We say this every day. This is not like an activist talk show. I'm just some fat guy who just got off the TV, wiped off his makeup. <laughs> they put a lot of makeup on me on TV. Otherwise, I look like a talking ham. It's not pretty. That boy is a pig. <laughs> but I'm in radio mode. I'm honored to be here with you. And as always, as I report for duty, that rule that we say at the top of every show, and it's a good rule for life, not just my radio show, you know, not just our little safe space for cool people. But if you're going to go anywhere in the world today, okay, you be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... That is all, okay? The problems in our country right now are not rooted in political ideology so much as they're rooted in the way we communicate that political ideology. He knows what he's talking about. So we're always getting on the air on this show, just trying to have an honest conversation about what's going on because it affects all of us. That's the thing. So if you want to help me save the world, Lord knows I could use the backup, uh, 888-788-9910. Miranda Devine is on the show today. She is, of course, the superstar author of the best-selling book, Laptop from Hell. Hunter's a dirtbag. Hunter was all over the telly last night with Tucker Carlson. We're going to get into that. Looks like we have some more bombshell revelations from a man who actually puts his name on the reports. This isn't like the Mueller thing where it was one anonymously sourced piece of garbage after another and they were sold to us as, oh, the walls are closing in. He's going to jail. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are because for all of the interest they showed in anonymously sourced bombshells, nobody, nobody but Tucker, uh, nobody but Fox is talking about Tony Bobulinski flat out saying the Bidens were running a corrupt in influence peddling scheme, so much so that the money was kicking back in 10% increments to the sitting president of the United States. Are you the big man, Joe? I think it's worth discussing at the very least, uh, but we'll get there with Miranda Devine. We're also going to be talking to Republican strategist Jason Meister, but we do begin with some Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House, because what happened yesterday, okay, so we got a report that OPEC is going to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. 
Okay, Biden had asked them to increase production. OPEC responded with a giant, a giant, I mean like Dikembe Mutombo-sized middle finger to Biden. Come on, man. Okay, now understand, what OPEC does wouldn't have any effect on us, wouldn't have any bearing on the price of gas in this country because at one point we were energy independent and it didn't matter what went on with Putin or pipelines or anywhere in between. The reason we have a volatile fuel market here at home The only reason is because Joe Biden declared war on fossil fuels and put us in a position where we were now importing it instead of exporting it. Tell them like it is. Okay, Karine Jean-Pierre wants all the credit in the world when prices came down. You remember when prices hit a high, you were paying like six bucks out in California, eight bucks. The gas station here in Manhattan, they didn't even list the prices. You know, you just hear people. You couldn't even look at them. You just hear other people pulling up to the pump, looking at the prices and saying, and you just be like, all right, I'll fill it up on, uh, you know, (laughs) give me a tank. Give me a tank of the mid-level screaming. (laughs) I know that I can go full on panic. I'll take it. I'll take a tank. I assume that's 87 octane, that level of scream, that decibel level. Uh, Give me a tank of that. Gas is out of control. Okay, gas had been going up for 14 straight months under Biden. Why? Because when he got into office, he declared war on fossil fuels. That's stupid. Use your common sense. So understand, as gas began to climb, and it climbed for 14 straight months, it did in fact hit a breaking point when Putin invaded Ukraine because we were in a vulnerable position because of our actions here at home. So the White House started to tell us what? Oh, it's Putin's price hike. It's not inflation. It's Putin. Oh, it's like, yeah, MAGA, something like that. I don't know. Don't blame us. And that's what the rallying cry became. And then Biden turned around and did what? These gas prices were such a liability for him politically, they started releasing a million barrels of oil a day from our strategic petroleum reserves. Now, understand our strategic petroleum reserves are there for, you know, a war if somehow production is, you know, broken down of the, you know, the chain of production is, you know, overwhelmed in some type of, God forbid, act of war or mother nature, a storm wipes out refinery capacity. We have strategic petroleum reserves to keep the country up and running. Okay, Joe Biden took our strategic energy reserves and decimated them. He didn't do it for an act of war. He didn't do it because of a hurricane. He did it because he was politically desperate. But now understand, we're in a vulnerable position of not having the reserves we need. We're in a vulnerable position of having to reback, buy back anyway, not build back better. We have to buy back petroleum, okay, at a much higher rate than we would have, okay, if Biden would have just, oh, I don't know, greenlit more domestic energy production at a time prices were climbing. Of course, he wouldn't do that. Because the far left wing of the party that runs this presidency won't sign off on anything. If he wants to get his pudding cup, he's got to do what they tell him. That's just how it works. This whole presidency really does. It reads like an iTunes user agreement. Scroll to the bottom. Click I agree, old man. We'll give you the pudding cup. You know, that whole thing. But the bottom line now is prices are starting to climb again. Why? Two reasons. One, yes, OPEC is you know, cutting production. Two, the U.S. has to buy. There is a demand. We have to buy a lot of oil. Okay, and that's going to drive up the price because the world market knows we're desperate to replenish our reserves. And Joe Biden isn't going to go out and replenish them by using our own domestic supply. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. It's a disaster. But here's Corrine Jean-Pierre 
okay, who has taken all the credit in the world for Biden lowering gas prices. And I've told you, you know, chapter and verse, they were artificially lowered because we weren't addressing issues of supply and demand. We were just decimating our strategic energy reserves. But stick with me. She took all the credit in the world for gas going down. This is her trying to tell you they have nothing to do with gas going up. It's fascinating how that works. Clip one. You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuanced than that, right? Um, Peter, you know this. Uh, there have been global challenges that we have all have dealt with. When I say all, meaning other countries as well have dealt with since the pandemic. There's been pandemic and there's been uh, Putin's war. And Putin's war uh, has... Uh, increase gas prices at the pump. We have seen that over the past several months. And what the president was able to do, uh, he took some historic steps. Don't change the subject. Just answer the question. She never answers the question. Is he responsible? Yes or no. The God's honest truth is yes. Okay. And you can also give him a little bit of credit for lowering those prices, but he did so in an underhanded way. He, you know, tapped into our strategic energy reserves. Again, stuff that is there for strategic purposes. I'm not talking about political strategy. I'm talking about war strategy. I'm talking about active God strategy. Okay. We misappropriated those resources. And even now, as we're at the precipice of climbing prices around the country, they're still not going to do the obvious, which is to utilize our own wherewithal to combat the issue. But here she is trying to explain again, using the line of questioning from Peter Ducey to make the case that, you know, Biden's doing good things. This is a good thing here. Come on, man. Just because you're turning tricks behind the gas station for most of the year doesn't mean the president shouldn't be hailed as a hero. I mean, think about all the new people you've gotten to meet turning tricks to buy gas. You never would have knew any of them if it wasn't for the president declaring war on fossil fuels. Listen to this clip, too. There are consumers now in California paying six forty one a gallon for gas. Nevada, 551, Oregon, 546. Who can afford that? And we understand that. That's why the president worked so hard the past several months uh, to make sure that he did everything we can uh, to bring gas prices down. We have seen fastest. I know you're pulling out a couple of areas across the country, and I get that, and we understand that there's more work to do. We have never said uh, we were done here. Uh, we have always been very clear that there is more work to do, but we have seen, the reality is, we have seen the fastest decline in gasoline prices in over a decade. Girl, please stop talking right now. Because what is she pivoting to? Oh, the gas prices came down. What does that matter if they go right back up? And they go right back up because of his own doing, because here she is taking it a step further. OK, and flat out saying they're not going to release any more of the strategic energy reserves. Why? Because they can't. We've decimated them and they shouldn't have been decimated in the first place. The large point I'm trying to make here, OK, is people on the left think they're saving the world. They're crazy. But they think they're saving the world, you know, from some impending climate doom. And the only way to halt to save the day is to start, you know, pivoting to green energy, green energy, which failed the citizens of California last month, had them unable to run their appliances, charge their green vehicles. They were supposed to be doing what? Turning their thermostat up to 88 degrees because they couldn't run air conditioning because of the power shortage. Of course, the guy making that announcement, Gavin Newsom, is sitting in his living room with a turtleneck on, which would have one to believe he wasn't following the 88-degree rule. That's just how white folks will do you. Okay, but the point is they cannot go back 
and decimate our strategic energy reserves anymore. Okay, we're at a, a like a strategic breaking point. Okay, but they're also not boosting production here in the country because the far left wing of this country is not being honest with us about our ability to transition to green energy and have that be sustainable for the world. We're not there. We don't have the capacity. There's not a country on the planet that does. And we're talking about places like Germany that have uh, one-tenth of the population that we do. Okay, maybe not one-tenth, but one-third. Okay, one-fourth. But think about it this way. Germany, which is now opening up coal plants because wind is failing them, you know, solar is failing them. And, oh, by the way, all the solar we're buying here is from China. It's made with slave labor. You know, when you're buying solar panels, you don't want to know how they harvest the minerals over there. It's horrific. Okay, but the point I'm trying to make is we have people in charge that don't know what they're doing. Okay, you can't just flat out say we're cutting production, we're going green. It doesn't work that way because we don't have the green capacity. So when you start driving up prices because of your pie-in-the-sky goal, you know, that middle finger that OPEC is giving Biden is being given right back to the consumer. It's right back to the middle class who can't afford gas. And they keep saying things to you like, ah, we'll get green energy. Then you don't have to worry about the price of gas. But understand, the average cost of a green vehicle is about $60,000. If you're worried about gas being 5 bucks a gallon, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't have an extra $66,000 flying around. Okay, it's not just sitting there somewhere. Like, ah, what am I going to do with this 60000 I don't know. Look at the weekends coming. Should we buy a car? Should we hang out? They're not going on. Okay, so the big problem we have right now, it is a crisis of our own doing. Okay, this is the point I'm trying to make. Corinne Jean-Pierre wants you to believe, you know, Biden's responsible for prices coming down. But again, that would have to make him responsible for prices going up. You can't have it both ways. Okay, but they'll try to, you know, because, again, they're more concerned with their own goal than yours. Let me give you this. This is the Strategic Energy Reserve comment. It's clip three. So we're not considering uh, new releases releases from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, beyond the 180 million, which is what you're talk, speaking about, about the 1 million uh, that the president announced months ago. We, we don't have anything more to share or we're not going to be uh, considering new releases. Come on, KJP. It's re- you gotta do better than that. It's just a mess. Okay, but everything she says to you is not about solving the problem. It's about solving their problems. I point this out a lot because I just want people to understand. Politicians are supposed to work for you and me. That's how this is supposed to work. Like you could hate Republicans. I could get mad at Democratic policies. I don't hate them, just to be clear. But they're all supposed to work for us. That's the whole point of a democracy is we send people to Washington to represent our interests. Any way you slice it. Okay, they are not representing our interests because nobody, nobody got out of bed today saying, man, I'd love to pay another dollar a gallon this fall just for some pie in the sky environmental scam that's getting the Democrats rich. But that's what this is. Okay, the climate change people are going to pay more money uh, to donate because this is their biggest fundraising vehicle. Pay up, suckers. But so are you at the gas pump because we've got people in Washington who have no idea what they're doing. I admire your honesty. Mr. Gasoline Man, give a loan to me. I'm not wealthy, and there is no way I'm paying you. Hey, Mr. Gasoline Man, throw a bone to me. Prices go up every morning, and I'm totally screwed. Though I know Biden's a liar, his head is in the sand. Doesn't have a plan 
Blames everyone he can, but he's the problem. And Kamala confuses me. Her brain is so empty. They push green energy. It is plain for all to see that they're both clueless. Hey, Mr. Gasoline Man, give a loan to me. I'm not wealthy, and there is no way I'm paying you. Gasoline man, throw a bone to me. Prices go up every morning, and I'm totally screwed. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, heading down to Oklahoma this weekend. Friday, we will be at KRMG doing the show live. We're having a meet and greet at the Cape Brewing Company right afterwards, 4 to 6. Come hang out. Saturday night at the Chisholm Trail Expo Center, Enid, Oklahoma. You can still get tickets at Ticketstorm.com. Of course, the big comedy show taking place at the White House yesterday. Karine Jean-Pierre just making a mess out of things. Uh, She was asked about the White House congratulating, uh, you know, Coast Guard workers for their help with the hurricane, only to fire them over the vaccine mandate later this week. It's clip five. The president recently praised a group of Coast Guard rescue swimmers. One of them reportedly um, faces termination because he isn't vaccinated. And I'm curious, given the threats that we're facing abroad, would the president ever reconsider uh, that vaccination requirement or consider issuing more exemptions? So. As you as as you can imagine, the president has the most the deepest respect uh, for the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, that is something that uh, uh, you would hear from him uh, directly. Uh, and the country, the president and the country, are grateful for all of the U.S. Coast Guard heroes uh, that have led the effort uh, to save uh, lives in Florida. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. If you're grateful for their service. And the heroism they showed in saving lives. You don't fire them. I think he's got a point. Okay, they're getting fired. Do you understand? Because of a vaccine mandate that doesn't even stop you from getting COVID. Understand, these are the people that protect us from far greater threats than COVID itself. We're talking about, you know, crime, murderers, robbers, hurricanes. And we're sending them home for what? Somebody wants to make Pfizer a couple extra bucks? That's all this really is, man. It's a dumb time to be alive. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
There it is. Aaron Judge, number 99, hitting number 62 last night for the New York Yankees. Now the single season home run record in the American League. They're saying that ball could be worth up to $2 million, maybe even more. Uh, which will probably buy you about, I don't know, a tank and a half of gas, uh, the way things are trending so far this morning. It is bad. Uh, OPEC giving Biden the finger on production. We're being told by, dry, uh, you know, analysts are telling drivers to expect a hike in prices as well. And I bring this up because as we head towards the midterms and an increase in gas prices, a record level of inflation and runaway pr- crime, okay, Democrats are out on the campaign trail and they're still selling things like, oh, I don't know, abortion on demand, maybe even defund the police. Let me give you this Cori Bush clip, okay, because she's been making the media rounds. She has a uh, new book out, uh, I, which is fascinating, the, the idea that someone can write a book having never read one. Um, it's actually kind of impressive. Uh, but the woman who wanted to defund the police and then got caught with her own security detail tells Morning Joe with a straight face that abortion is the number one issue heading into the midterms. Here's clip 35. I'm optimistic because since the um, the I will call uh, amazing win um, with uh, in New York just uh, a little while ago. Um, we and then also in Alaska, you know, I, and we're seeing the momentum, especially as we get closer to November. We're seeing the momentum really pick up and um, people that may say, well, I don't share your views in other areas, but I don't want my uh, my uh, uh, right to abortion restricted. And that's been just a huge driver of over the last several months. Shut up. Will you shut up? OK, I'm telling you, if people can't afford gas to get down to the abortion clinic, the one issue is not going to trump the other. OK, and these are not my words. OK, here's Steve Kornacki. He is MSNBC's political analyst. He's the guy that goes up to the big board. So he's like, uh, you know, he seems by all accounts a nice guy. He's like a dorky Bill Hemmer, okay? And Kornacki, you know, Hemmer does the big board, lays out politics, local races, everything in between. Okay, these are really intelligent people, so I don't want you to think I'm disparaging this dude, okay? Because he knows his stuff enough so that when he drops this bomb on MSNBC, they don't, really don't know what to do with it. Uh, But he basically admits what we all know to be true. Biden's low low poll numbers are a massive liability for the Democratic Party. I mean, understand, Okay, you're 34 days out from the midterms. Nobody's calling up the president and being like, hey, can you come campaign with me? Nobody wants to be seen with the guy. Okay, because he is historically unpopular because of policies like the ones we've been discussing. So here it is. Clip 34. We always say the president's job approval rating Usually the most reliable indicator of how midterms are going to go for Democrats. This is not good news. Joe Biden's average approval rating is 42.7 percent. Put that in perspective here with modern presidents at this exact same point in their first midterm. And Biden's right at the same level that Trump, uh, that Obama, that Bill Clinton were in what were brutal midterms for them. The only exception in modern times, George W. Bush a year after 9-11. You see what this meant. For Trump, he lost the House in 18. For Obama, his party lost the House in 10. For Bill Clinton, his party lost the House in 94. Biden's approval rating is right in that range. That's the bad news for Democrats. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay. Historically low numbers. And he's going to lose control of Congress, which, you know, they do have the power of the purse. It'd be nice to see somebody playing a little defense with the old wallet. Uh, Because we've been spending like wild banshees in Washington, which is, of course, the driving force behind inflation. But you understand there are people in the Democratic Party, okay, like Cori Bush, 
who are standing by a lot of these idiotic policies, whether it's climate change, whether it's, you know, defund the police. Here's more Cori Bush on ABC talking about defund the police. Clip 36. You're one of the few Democrats now who still says, let's defund the police. Are you worried at all that that could hurt some of your colleagues going into the midterm elections? See, the, the thing about defund the police is we have to tell the entire narrative. People here defund the police, but you know what they'll say? Say reallocate, say divest, say move, uh, but it's still the same thing. We can't get caught up on the words. We, people spend more time focusing on the word defund than they spend on caring and addressing the problem of police violence. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, Call a crackhead. I mean, Cory Bush. Okay, we've got to address the epidemic of police violence. Is anybody sharing any facts about police violence? The answer would be no. Nobody has any stats on that. It's a scam. Yo, the murder rate right now, and shame on Cory Bush. The murder rate is up 35% in the black community right now. None of those murders were committed by cops. And you want to know how you know that? Because cities aren't on fire. Because every single news outlet isn't selling you some type of a race-based controversy, regardless of whether or not there's any evidence of fact there to support it. I mean, to this day, when we burnt down 11 cities over George Floyd, Derek Chauvin should be in jail. But we don't actually have any proof that he knelt on George Floyd's neck because he was black. All we know is he used a tactic that he should not have used for eight and a half minutes. We don't know if that's how he commonly subdued criminals. Okay, there's nothing in that case that says he was racist. But here's the bigger part. There's nothing in that case that says you or I are racist. But the Democrats ran with that anyway because it was politically viable. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. But one of their stupid ideas was to defund police in major municipalities. People like Cori Bush, okay, have created this era of lawlessness where a lot of people have more sympathy for the criminal than the cop. And it's the reason why we're seeing a nationwide spike in crime, man, because we have idiots in Washington. Idiots in Washington that can easily push around the president. You know, guy who wanders off the stage, doesn't know where he's going. I feel for Joe Biden. I don't take any joy in saying that to you. Yesterday on Outnumbered, I, I told them, Joe Biden is the first president in history who takes more time to exit a speech than he does to give one. Like, I hope the band is getting overtime for playing Hail to the Chief three extra times while they fish him out of the crowd. No, no, you're going this way. No, you're going that way. Don't go that No, where is he going? Oh, my gosh. It's a mess. Okay? And as you head into the midterms, Biden is wildly unpopular, but he's not unpopular because people think the engine's running and nobody's behind the wheel. He's unpopular because all of these policies suck. That's true. That is true. Every one of them. Okay? If you're in a high crime area, you fear for your life when you go out at night, I promise you don't care about climate change. Okay? You don't care about abortion. You just don't. Okay, you certainly don't want to defund the police either. But this is what they're pushing. Okay, and they're using the propaganda arm of the media to try to push this as no, no, it's a success. You don't understand. <laughs> it's going really well in this country. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, here is Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe saying he doesn't care that Biden looks a little out of it. It's still better than still better than having Donald Trump in the White House, you guys. Am I right? Wrong. Here it is. Listen, clip thirty three. Policy doesn't matter anymore to Republicans. They, and and you, it's so funny, you hear, you hear uh, Republicans and right-wingers talking about how horrible Joe Biden is in press conferences. And sometimes he stutters, sometimes he stumbles around, sometimes he loses his train of thought. I'd stack that up. 
I'd stack that up against Donald Trump any day of the week where Trump is so void, so vacant when it comes to policies, when it comes to understanding even the basics of, of domestic policy or foreign policy or constitutional norms or our history. This guy's a serious ass. Okay, Joe Biden, just so we're clear, okay, is not stumbling around and stuttering. He's shaking hands with invisible men and speaking to dead people. The man is insane. He's not responsible for himself. But when he says, oh, Republicans don't care about policy. Oh, really? Because it was a Republican policy that closed the border. Okay, that had cut illegal border crossings by 80%. We very well do care about policy. It was a Republican policy that slashed regulations and lowered the tax burden on the middle class and the lower middle class. Okay, they very much do care about policy. It's Biden policy that's destroying the country again and again and again. You hear me say it every day. We laugh at Biden because it's like a coping mechanism. We have a president who doesn't know where he is half the time. Okay, it's a sad time to be alive. And we laugh as a coping mechanism. But I tell you all the time, he's unpopular because of what he's doing. Okay, declaring war on fossil fuels is crushing us. Runaway spending in Washington is the driving force behind inflation. Okay, that's why nobody in the Democratic Party wants the guy to run again. They don't want to campaign with him now. You think they're going to want to campaign with him when things get worse in two years? When he's wandering off the crowd, you know, off into the crowd even more? Doesn't know which side of the stage to exit? Fist bumping invisible people? Nobody wants to be around that. And again, I, I don't hate Joe Biden. I have no ill will towards Joe Biden. I don't want you to hate Joe Biden. Hate's just a useless thing to have in your life. Serves no purpose. Okay, positive energy attracts positive outcomes. Remember that everywhere you go, especially at a blackjack table. Okay, but the bottom line is right now, there's a lot of people on the left trying to tell you, oh, I'll take Joe Biden under Donald Trump any day. Woo! And what is that based in? Nothing other than their partisan rooting interest. The whole point of my show, if you're listening and you disagree with political policy on the right, you're welcome to. I don't care. It's not my job to convert you. You'll figure it out on your own. Pay some taxes. Walk through an inner city. See what the Democrats have done. You'll come around. You don't need me to recruit you. Okay? It's a mess. But when you say, oh, I'll take Biden over Trump any day, you're showing such an indifference to the quality of life for regular people in this country. And the reason I say that is because we didn't have inflation under Trump. It's eight points higher. When Trump left office, inflation was at 1%. It's at 8.3. Okay, when Trump left office, gas, even with all Biden's accomplishments and bringing it down as it goes back up, it was $1.30 a gallon lower. Okay, when Trump left office, illegal border crossings, okay, were 2 million lower than they are right now. The leading cause of adults' uh, death in this country was not fentanyl, which is raging across our southern border, worth noting. Okay, and we were respected on the world stage because we didn't run out of Afghanistan, pulling our troops out before our civilians, ultimately facilitating a necessitating an airlift, okay, that still left the Taliban a terror group in charge of a government that we invaded because we didn't want it to be a breeding, a breeding ground for terror groups. Because of Joe Biden, we left there with that terror group sitting on $85 billion worth of our weapons. This could be a problem. So, like, when you're a guy like, you know, Joe Scarborough, I'll take him over Trump any day. I mean, first of all, Joe Scarborough obviously has 
you know, it's almost like a sexual obsession with Donald Trump because Donald Trump was a guy who came on a show all the time and then became president, became so omnipotent in the media that he kind of rendered Joe Scarborough irrelevant and it burns people's nuts. The same thing with Howard Stern. Howard Stern hates Trump because Howard Stern used to say he was the king of all media. Well, Trump became so much more relevant than Howard Stern, like his ego can't ever make peace with that. So he'd rather sit around and call Trump Hitler. It's easier that way. It makes you feel better about yourself. That's what the Joe Scarboroughs of the world do. But if you genuinely care about people, okay, I'm not here stumping for the character of Donald Trump. I'm not, I don't run the Donald Trump defense fund. And I issue that qualifier all the time. I know it pisses some of you off. You're like, hey, just tell, it, just tell us what you think. You don't have to, like, you know, qualify your comments. No, because the point I'm trying to make is, okay, I don't have a rooting interest in people. I have a rooting interest in outcomes. You understand? Okay, I'd like to see this 40-year high in inflation go down seven points, the same seven points, eight points it went up. I'd like to see these gas prices go down $1.30 the way they have gone up at times more than that. Okay, I would like to see the border get sealed. I'd like to see fentanyl stop poisoning the children in this country and being the leading cause of poisoning death, the leading cause of all death for adults between the ages of 18 and 45. I don't care who delivers that. That's the difference between me and most people talking to you on the radio. Listen, I would have voted for Kanye if I thought Kanye could have gotten this situation under control. But sadly, Kanye can't get himself under control. But at the end of the day, that doesn't make him any more different than the guy we got in the White House now. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. President Biden heading down to Florida today. Uh, to meet with Ron DeSantis, tore the damage from the hurricane. I don't know if he's going to tell the community he's Puerto Rican or whatever ethnicity happens to greet him out there, as he did two days ago. Biden's had a messy one. He was down in Puerto Rico, and he said with a straight face that he was raised Puerto Rican. Here we go, clip nine. I come from a little state, the little state of Delaware. It's not like the congresswoman from New York. She comes from a big state. But we have a very, in relative terms, large Puerto Rican population in Delaware, relative to our population. We have the eighth largest black population in the country, and between all minorities, we have 20 percent of our state is minority. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. We have a president that is clearly not all there. At the time Joe Biden grew up in Puerto Rico, just so we're all on the same page, uh, excuse me, at the time he grew up in Delaware claiming to be raised in Puerto Rico, uh, the Puerto Rican population in Delaware was less, less than one one hundredth of a percent. Okay, but here he is again. I was raised Puerto Rican. He just, you know, Biden, the problem is he's an older man. And I genuinely don't think he understands that what you're saying is recorded and viewed by people outside of the room. So he just lies everywhere he goes with no regard for the fact that it's all demonstrably false. You know how many times Joe Biden has been on camera talking about his claim that he's never once talked to Hunter Biden about his business dealings? Probably a hundred. But we're going to play you extensive proof in the next hour that he probably discussed Hunter's business dealings with the kid probably a million times based on all the money that was flying around. But it's so fascinating. It's like 
<laughs> because he just goes places and says things. You know the story about the Amtrak train? My buddy Angelo, when I was vice president, he came up to me and said, Joey, baby, you've taken more miles on Amtrak than you have on the plane. And uh, whatever, nice story, I guess, because he's Amtrak Joe. The only problem is the guy Angelo had died 10 years before he became vice president. All of the stories. He got his start as a, at a historically black college and university. That is a fact check false. What? Uh, I used to drive a 18-wheeler, you know. That is a fact check false. I mean, technically, so did I. If you count the one that your mom could put a quarter in outside the supermarket. I've ridden horses, I've flown rocket ships, I've driven race cars. If you can count all of the devices you can stick a quarter in outside of a supermarket, which is probably the only thing I would let Biden drive in the condition that he's in. But again and again and again, policy is the problem. It's Biden's bigger problem. And what you're going to hear about in the next hour really is the bigger issue in terms of credibility. He's lied to you about everything, but the liability of the lying about Hunter is taking this somewhere else because we have a living, breathing business associate putting his name behind these allegations, putting his face behind these allegations. We're going to discuss them with Miranda Devine. She, of course, wrote the book Laptop from Hell. And understand, I don't like doing this story because I'm not here just looking to, like, make hay and get people worked up politically. But we've got a kid selling... Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of access to our government at a time when his dad was the sitting vice president. That's not right. And it's, you know, maybe worth kicking the tires on. You know, this kid's getting rich in Ukraine, and now we're sending $40 billion to Ukraine. Uh, You might want to ask where all this money happens to be going in places like Ukraine. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. And we are, of course, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be hanging out with Miranda Devine in this hour. She is, of course, the author of laptop from hell this being my final day in new york this week you are also welcome to join me in a send-off at 888-788-9910 we're heading down the tulsa oklahoma after today's show gonna be a wild one down there the rest of the way hope to see you guys if you're listening on krmg friday in tulsa at the cape brewing company uh but the big attraction right now in this hour is not you and me passed out hammered in the backyard of the brewing company. Uh, we'll get there. Believe me, we'll get there. Uh, but right now, we've got to talk a little bit about Tucker Carlson's sit-down with Tony Bobolinsky. The reason it's significant, the reason I've continued to focus on this, is it should be the biggest bipartisan story in the country. Okay, obviously crime and inflation, yes, things that affect all people. But when you talk about what the media decides to cover and not cover, the Hunter story is fascinating. Why I, The reason I say fascinating is because we have his own business partners putting their name on the record as saying, yes, this was a corrupt influence peddling scheme that the sitting president of the United States was profiting from. That's significant to you because, again, I don't have the proof that Joe Biden is compromised, but I have the proof, and I'm going to play it for you, 
that he absolutely positively lied his face off when he said he didn't know anything about his son's business deals. And I'm about to play it for you, okay? Understand, when it comes to influence peddling schemes, when it comes to corrupt money laundering, you know, these are the accusations that Hunter was taking money from a Chinese company he owned 20% interest in and transferring it to an American company he owned a 100% interest in, which technically under the letter of the law would be money laundering, but getting past all of that. Okay, when your son is engaged in that type of nefarious dealing and understand, again, Barack Obama's Treasury Department, not mine. I'm not the tra- I'm not, you know, in charge of the government. Barack Obama's Treasury Department, Barack Obama. Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And Barack Obama's own Treasury Department flagged over 100 of Hunter Biden's international banking transactions as potentially problematic. So this is something they've known about in the upper echelons of our government for a while now, something they knew about when the FBI decided to kill the Hunter Biden laptop in the run-up to the 2020 election, something that ultimately swung that election. Understand, okay, when you read polling that says 20 percent of Biden voters would have switched their vote if they knew just how corrupt the sun was, you're talking about millions of votes, in an election that was decided by less than 50,000 votes in the key states that decided it. It is a level of pass interference that changed the outcome of this football game. And it was done intentionally by an FBI who knew at the time that the Hunter Biden laptop story they were killing his Russian disinformation happened to be real. This is politics as usual. Oh, so much so. Here he is talking about the FBI in the run-up to the election. This is clip, this is Tony Bobulinski, clip 15. I was disappointed, angry, um, because as you said, you spent, you know, uh, the time I've served this country, my family, my credibility as a businessman, um, and uh, I can't find another story in the history of our country that has been actually so suppressed. Suppressed actually is a complete blackout. So I was angry when I watched this play out, especially when five weeks later um, the DOJ announces that, you know, they're formally investigating uh, Hunter Biden and the Biden family, and they make that public. Uh, It was five weeks uh, too late, and the American people deserve those facts before the election. Absolutely deserve those facts before the election. Coincidentally, by the way, if anybody is uh, looking for work, I do believe Tony Bobulinski is hiring a food taster after last night's interview. I mean, they're going to get this poor guy. It's not good. OK, he has so much dirt. But here's the big clip. OK, this is the voicemail he released because in the run up to the election, when the FBI was killing this story, if you remember, Joe Biden was asked a dozen times and he said that never, ever, never once did I talk to my son about his business dealings. You're alive. Okay, his son, they flew to China together on Air Force One, uh, Air Force Two, gave his son Air Force Two. They flew to China. You're telling me they never once got into what kind of business he was doing over in China? Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Here is Joe Biden calling his son Hunter, leaving him a voicemail, okay, after the New York Times ran a story about Hunter Biden's business dealings, okay, that is, uh, I think we're, t- we're, oh, it's nine. Take it away. Hey, Palace Dad, it's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. 
just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, is going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think it's clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you hear that? That's the guy who has never talked to his son about his business dealings, calling his son and saying, hey, pal, saw the New York Times article about your business dealings. Uh, looks like you're in the clear. That's Joe Biden. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. The guy who said he never once talked to his son about his business dealings. Why does this stuff matter? Hey, Jimbo, why are you harping on this? That's my impression of you. That's what you sound like in my head. You don't like you get in a fight with your spouse and you're like, yeah, but you said you would take out the garbage. We never, we never impersonate each other in a flattering voice. Did you notice that? I tried to give you a decent voice in case your spouse or significant other doesn't give you one when they're impersonating you in a fight. But stick with me, okay? Joe Biden lying, lying about nefarious business transactions he's accused to be a part of tells you he has a reason to lie, meaning there's a little bit of a there there. Okay, Tony Bobolinsky essentially says as much to Tucker last night so you understand what I'm talking about. This is clip 18. There are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in, uh, in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. I mean, think about that. Okay, he was the chairman. They've got the emails. We've seen the pictures. We're going to talk to Miranda Devine about it in this hour. Okay, Joe Biden, for wherever this heads, whether people go to jail or who the heck knows. Okay, but understand the media is failing all of us by not doing their due diligence in pursuing this story. We've seen the emails. We've seen the photos. We've heard the voicemail. Joe Biden has told us repeatedly, my son and I have never once discussed his business. We have now seen that proven to be a lie repeatedly. Now, the question that needs to be asked is why is he lying unless he was a part of these shady business deals and it'd be a problem for him to tell the truth? Okay, that's the issue we're running into. Here is Bob Alinsky discussing the voicemail that Biden left Hunter, clip 19. It's staggering. The sitting president of the United States, but that's Joe Biden in his own voice telling the American people, I was always well aware of the business ventures my family was involved in. Imagine just sitting in a room with national security and the intel agencies with that article. Joe Biden is saying, I read that article and you're in the clear, Hunter. I mean, think about that. The same Joe Biden who said he never spoke to his kid is now about his business deals is now saying, I read the article, you're in the clear, meaning he knew an awful lot about his kid's business. He knew a ton. He knew everything about his kid's business. Why? Because he was a part of it. Miranda Devine, who wrote Laptop from Hell, is joining us. We're going to discuss this. Okay. Joe Biden was the figurehead. He was the guy whose access they were leveraging to get money out of shady foreign entities. It's an influence peddling scheme. Tony Bobulinski is not like some right wing loony who's just trying to like slander a Democratic politician 
Okay, Tony Bobolinsky is the man on the emails. He's a guy doing the business with Hunter, setting up the meetings with Biden, moving the cash back and forth. Okay, Tony Bobolinsky, for all intents and purposes, you understand, is an accomplice to a lot of this. But he's not in a position where he's like, you know, trying to make a deal because he's being criminally charged. He's not being criminally charged because, I, to be honest with you, I don't know that anybody's going to be criminally charged. There's two tiers of justice in this country. And if you happen to be linked to the higher one, which is, you know, you're a prominent politician, you're part of the, you know, what some would call the deep state or the D.C. establishment, those people are fine. They just keep selling out the country and making money. Okay, but again, Tony Bobulinski is not asking you to believe him. He's telling you he has the receipts. Here he is saying it, clip 20. He never called my lawyers. My email address was there. I'm easy to get a hold of. Facebook never reached out to me and said, hey, Tony, we see that this email that the New York Post just published to you, is it real? Can you produce the email to us? Within five minutes, if Twitter, Facebook, anybody else had reached out, I would have produced the email with, everyone wants to talk about the metadata. Oh, the, you know, the emails that are being produced don't have any metadata. I would have given them the metadata that's pages along on that email that, uh, that the New York Post published. Think about that. Okay, you want metadata, you want emails, you want, what do you want? I got all of it. The force is strong with this one. Okay, but they didn't want it. Why didn't they want it? Because it's a political liability for Joe Biden. Everybody listening, you just got to know, I make these points again and again and again, because this is just something that affects all of us. You got this, you know, junkie kid, and I, I, you know, I don't like to say that. Uh, you know, I, I'm somebody's dysfunctional kid as well. So I have some empathy for Hunter Biden. But the bottom line is you got a junkie kid who is in no way, shape or form viable, appealing or needed by a foreign energy company on the other side of the world. Hunter Biden is somebody who is getting thrown out of the Chateau Marmont in California for doing too many drugs, a hotel where a dozen celebrities have overdosed. Hunter Biden did more drugs than the place was comfortable with anyone doing. No, sorry, that's too much. Hunter Biden is a guy who had to bring in the Secret Service when he couldn't pay his hooker bill to have his dad pay the hooker bill for him at the Chateau Marmont. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. Okay, he is a guy that impregnated a stripper. He is a guy that had an affair with his late brother's widow. The point is, he is one of the biggest corruption risks known to man, given the fact that he has the drug problems that he did, that his father occupies the positions that he does. The idea that corrupt governments in countries like Ukraine are reaching out to Hunter Biden to do business with him at a time when his father's in a position to green light that business tells you that there is some type of uh, an ulterior motive to involve Hunter Biden. You're not sitting around at the boardroom when everybody's getting ready to pitch, you know, what's the fall plan? Like, you know, when they have the upfronts for TV networks, this sitcom's coming out on Tuesdays and this CSI reboot's coming out on Wednesdays. We've got a new law and order coming out on Thursdays and they're unveiling the lineup when they do the upfronts. Okay, nobody is at that pitch going, hey, we've got a crackhead who knocked up a stripper coming in on Tuesdays to be a board member. Throw you right out of the meeting. Like, what do you mean? You hired a crackhead who knocked up a stripper to come be a board member. He has no background in energy. Why is he here? And then they go, well, his dad is the 
sitting vice president of the country we're trying to do business in, and then all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense to everybody in the room. Bingo. And that's why we should all be concerned, is Hunter Biden doesn't get this money unless his dad is the vice president of the United States. Okay, now the question becomes, okay, we know Hunter got this money. Okay, we know that his business partner says Biden got a 10 percent kickback. I don't know that anybody in Washington is finding out what this money was for or if there's anything, anything at all expected from our president in return for all of this money. I don't know. But we lived out the biggest conspiracy theory of my lifetime in pretending Vladimir Putin had seized control of the American government and was running the Trump presidency. We subjected ourselves to a three-year window of that with absolutely, I mean, less than zero proof, nothing. Not emails, not phone calls, not pictures, not transcripts, not videos, not voicemails to the kids, nothing. Okay, we have literally five million times as much evidence that Biden is doing business in underhanded ways around the world than we did with Donald Trump. And nobody out there is even discussing this. Nobody. Nobody in the media cares because, again, they don't want to hurt the Democrats. Okay, but the bottom line is the Democrats might be hurting us. That's why it'd be nice if somebody got off their ass and looked into this stuff as hard as Tucker is. It's the rock album that's got audiences sneaking into the country. White House Records presents Elton Joe. The border is a mess. Border, border is mess. Twelve Elton John anthems reworked in honor of our 46th president. so good it's like a drug don't let my son smoke crack on me cause then he gets naked it always winds up on tv elton joe coming soon to a retirement home near you lost my damn mind i lost my damn mind now i can't find the word You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be rapping with Miranda Devine in the next break. She is, of course, the author of Laptop from Hell, a book that chronicles the exploits of one Hunter Biden and the influence peddling scheme. Uh, that his family was very much a part of uh, over the time Joe Biden was in the White House. He's very interesting, okay? He talks Bob Alinsky here to Tucker Carlson about trying to get on CNN, trying to go to other networks to bring attention to this. Here's what happens. It's clip 16. So I've had a variety of people reach out to me, but nobody that was willing to actually go through a detailed interview of the facts. And, um, you know, Jake Tapper, I guess, well-respected by many people at CNN. Um, you know, I appeal to him and Chris Lick. I'll come for an interview. We'll spend an hour. You can be as aggressive as you want to be with me. You can call me a liar. You can, you know, attack the facts. The good news is it's just not my word against the Bidens. I have thousands of documents, text messages, WhatsApp conversations, recordings of the sitting president of the United States in his own voice. And uh, I'd love to have that debate. So think about this. Those are his words, okay? You can call me a liar. You can attack the facts. I have documents, text messages, WhatsApp conversations, recordings of the sitting president 
Is anyone in the media reaching out to this guy? The answer would be no. No. What you're going to get by the end of the week is a hit piece. Ah, this loose cannon, wild guy, bitter hunter. If that, you'll get a hit piece on Tony Bobulinski, a guy who served this country in the military. You'll get some type of a hit piece discrediting it. This guy with his debunked allegations. They love to use the word debunk. They love to use the word Russian disinformation. You know, but the bottom line is all they're really trying to do is say, hey, look over here instead. Because they don't want this to become a political issue in the run-up to the midterms. But if you actually cared about the country, oh, I don't know, you might start asking a couple of questions. Thankfully, Miranda Devine did exactly that. We'll get into it with her next when we come back on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And I wanted everybody listening to know that if they are out there today looking for work, Tony Bobolinsky is looking uh, to hire a food taster after his interview with Tucker Carlson last night. Uh, joining us now is someone who has plenty of work over at the New York Post. She is the best-selling author of Laptop from Hell. Uh, but she can probably corroborate my claim that Bobolinsky needs a food taster. Miranda Devine is here. Hey, Miranda. Uh, hey, Jimmy. How are you? I don't know. What do you yeah. think food tasting pays these days? Yeah, uh, not much, I wouldn't think. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think Tony Bobulinski's incredibly brave. I mean, there was that moment last night when Chaka Carlson said to him, you realise you have the whole forced uh, a, a, a mass of, uh, of these CIA, FBI and so on amassed against you. And uh, he said, yes. And then he said, you made my heart skip a beat. And this is a tough guy, you yeah. know, a former decorated naval officer and top secret security clearances from the NSA. So he's no shrinking violet, but it it is a pretty fearsome place to be where he is. Yeah, it is absolutely nuts. But what's fascinating is that, you know, obviously millions of people watch him and Tucker sit down. But most of the media really is still pretending today that it didn't happen. And again, he's Mm. not out there like slinging... uh, you know, insults and accusations, he's offering receipts, he's offering emails, he's offering text messages, and they're still kind of shutting him down. Um, what, you know, what would it take for people to acknowledge this? You know, is it, is, is it really just as simple as the politics are too important for them to pursue the story? Look, I think it's a really complicated story, and it it has been ignored by, um, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post. I mean, the media organisations with the enormous resources that can put sort of 15 reporters on a story about Ron DeSantis sending 50 migrants to illegal migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Um, They have spent the last two years just ignoring this story. And I think it's a point of pride for them. You know, they've, they don't want to be seen to have been doing, been corrupt. This is, this is journalistic corruption and malfeasance uh, at, at the worst. And, you know, for the Washington Post, which still runs on the, the fumes of Watergate, uh, to have ignored not only a story of corruption that's enormous and has ramifications in Washington beyond Joe Biden, beyond the Democratic Party, but also the cover-up. You know, like with Watergate, the cover-up is now as big as the original corruption story. And they've ignored that as well. And they just seem to be shameless stenographers 
for the security state, for whoever is in the CIA or the FBI, feeding them complete lies or the Pentagon, feeding them lies about everything from the withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, the war in Ukraine, to the cover-up over the Hunter Biden laptop pretending it's Russian disinformation. They just believe the Biden administration, which if they didn't have Vladimir Putin to blame for absolutely everything, they would be just like the emperor's new clothes, standing there naked. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tough visual, uh, yeah. given, given the condition of this president. I mean, it's been a mess. We're talking to the great Miranda Devine, uh, New York Post columnist, author of Laptop from Hell. I mean, it, it was exa- not exactly smooth sailing for Biden this week. He was talking to dead people, wandering around the stage. Do you think the band gets paid overtime for having to play extra renditions of Hail to the Chief while they go find him? <laughs> Oh, that is such a sad, sad thing that you're saying. I so to have hailed to the chief, which is such an amazing piece of music with so much history and um, emotion tied up. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this doddering old man just in a fog, wandering around in front of the cameras. It's so wrong. Such an insult to Australia, to America, and, and Australia everywhere. Um, and it's so dangerous for the world. And Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, it's just an open invitation to America's adversaries to just go for broke. They just figure there's no one running the shop. They may as well do what they want. Look at Kim Jong-un's just firing missiles galore yeah. with gay abandon, as they might say. <laughs> it's funny. He's having like a, it looks like a 4th of July party here in America where everybody's just shooting bottle rockets and stuff, except he's yeah. shooting missiles. <laughs> you know, it's it's not supposed to be going on, but you're right to say I think people are emboldened on the world stage. that And it's... It's really crazy to watch this play out in real time because it's unprecedented. You know, we've had other presidents, uh, you know, it not exactly be foreign policy experts, but we've never seen one that was just like kind of a laughing stock, you know, and it's 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 bizarre, Miranda. I don't know what to tell you, but here I wanted to ask you this really quick so I don't get sidetracked. Um, Twitter. Twitter is changing ownership. Uh, apparently. Did you lose followers yesterday? Yeah, I did, I think. Let me just have a quick peek yeah. and see if I lost. I think I lost, last time I looked, which I think was last night or this morning, it was about 10,000, wow. you know. So, I, so lo- that's nuts. I, I lost 5,000, I gained back a few, but yeah, take it away. Say what you're going to say. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't really know what that is. I'm assuming it's bots, and that's great. I don't want bots following yeah, no. me. <laughs> no, yeah, no, nowhere in the world is there a person to be better off if only they had a few more bots. But what, yeah. I, but, but what I'm fascinated by in all of this is, yes, it does look like Twitter's doing a little bit of house cleaning, and they probably padded their numbers with those accounts. But what I'm more fascinated by is the fallout to the potential changing of hands at the top of Twitter, because for all of the people who really benefited from censorship and the fact that big tech could kill your reporting on Hunter Biden, you know, the people who said that wasn't a thing do seem to be protesting an awful lot about the idea of free speech coming back to this app. It's hilarious, isn't it? They're completely freaking out. There was some guy from NBC who was saying, oh, this is terrible ramifications for the midterms. Like basically (laughs) admitting that Twitter is wigging everything so that it's good for the Democrats. And now, you know, the Democrat friendly media is freaking out. They they're just not journalists anymore. They're activists. 
It's so true. And, you know, as I watch it play out, you know, especially yesterday, there was like such a meltdown. You know, Elon Musk is the devil. And I only laugh at this because everybody tweeting that is driving one of his electric cars. People in Tesla's calling Elon Musk Hitler. I'm like, why are you giving Hitler all this money? I don't understand. I'm confused. It's funny. You know, there was um, the the Twitter employees are particularly freaking out. And um, there's some there's a document doing the rounds, which is purports to be text messages between Elon Musk and somebody else. And Mm -hmm. in it, they do some sort of back of the envelope calculations about, uh, you know, how much revenue they're getting per employee. And it's way below what Apple and Google have. And so they calculate, well, what happens if we slash the workforce by two thirds? And then, oh, it's much, then it's with that to sort of industry standard revenue. So I think there'll be a lot of people turfed out, but it's going to be difficult for Elon Musk. I know having worked and a broadsheet newspaper in Australia, similar to the New York Times, the Sydney Morning Herald, mm-hmm. that um, as much as the management and the editors, the senior editors, want to try and right the ship uh, because you've had lunatics take over who are alienating their readership in this case, um, and it, it, they can't do it. It's very difficult to break a culture once uh, the culture has been taken over, invaded by these body snatchers, um, these <laughs> parasites. It's really hard to undo it. Uh, I, I almost feel you need to just, you know, close the whole thing down and start again. Wow. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does because you're right. He has a lot of, like, uh, woke activists who don't want to come into the office. They want to, mm. you know, they just they want to stay home and yell at us that there's 91 genders and then drink wine in their pajamas. It's a tough <laughs> it's a tough company to want to buy. Hey, I think. Luck. Yeah, exactly. I think I think his interactions with the people at Twitter are also the reason he's exploring life on other planets as aggressively as he is. It's <laughs> just like it's, there's got to be a better way, Miranda. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, good for him. And uh, look, don't you love what he's been saying about Ukraine and Russia? I mean, somehow he's a fascist because he's saying, let's please stop the killing, come together and try and find a peace deal. You know, isn't there a statesman in the world who can help broker a peace deal between these two? Um, Or or, or do we all want to just sleepwalk into nuclear Armageddon? Oh, it's it's so crazy. And and you know what's funny? Bringing it back to our discussion about the Bidens in Ukraine, I'm always amazed that Biden keeps telling us that Ukraine is the root of all economic evil in this country, but we're not making any effort to end that war. Like, they're like, oh, the war's ruining everything, so why aren't we uh, trying to end it? Instead, we're just Venmoing Zelensky billions of dollars at a time, you know, and it really raises a lot of questions, is what I was going to say. But the whole thing, it's just every time we talk, I, I always I always feel like, you know, it's such a dumb time to be alive, but I don't feel like we've made any progress. Over the course of a year that we've spent on this show together, do you feel like we're smarter in any way? I'm not talking about you and me. I'm just talking about society. Look, yes, I do. Okay. Because we now know, I mean, it's horrible. The knowledge is horrible and you wish that it, you didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But we now know really that the FBI mm. is corrupt. Okay. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know if it can be fixed, but we've had these really brave, wonderful whistleblowers come out and, uh, you know, mm. spill their guts about yeah. what's been going on with, you know, the cover-up of the Hunter Biden laptop is particularly close to my heart, mm. the cover-up of what we started with, Tony Bobolinsky's mm. material, but also the 
uh, weaponization of the FBI to uh, go after innocent people who were caught up in January 6th, um, politicization there. But, um, uh, you know, just colluding with Facebook to spy on Americans' private messages, this is really uh, so deep, so dangerous, and I think that we'll find out a lot more uh, after the midterms. Yeah, that's what I think. Let's let's close on this, okay? Okay, if you were going away on a trip and you needed somebody to watch your dogs, okay, who would you rather have dogs sit, Karine Jean-Pierre or Kamala Harris? Oh, God. I just wouldn't go away or I would bring <laughs> the dogs with me or I'd put them down. There is just no way that I would leave them with those two, honestly. <laughs> it would be a fate worse than death. It would be just... It would be cruel. <laughs> glad, I'm glad. I'm glad we got you on record. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what direction I would go in either. But they're both just such a mess. I mean, Karine Jean Pierre can't answer a question without going to a binder. Kamala thinks we're in a strategic alliance with North Korea. Do you think, if anything, they've ruined identity politics? Meaning, people aren't going to vote for candidates just because after this administration. Yeah, well, actually, that's a that's a really optimistic way of looking at it. I agree, but you know, the damage that it's done is so enormous. And you know, it, whenever you put anyone in a job not based on how good they are, mm-hmm. um, you actually damage all the people who got those jobs on their own merits. Yeah. So, you know, I've always hated affirmative action for women mm-hmm. because it just makes me look like I'm a token. Um, you know, maybe I am, who knows, but you know, it's just, it's no good for the people who are in those groups that are being unfairly elevated. And of course, it's not really about, um, elevating a black woman. It's about elevating someone who's got the same beliefs that you have, who, who has the right thinking and who will be a mindless automation for you and do what you tell them to do. That's and it. that's all identity politics is. They're not interested in diversity, not real diversity, not diversity of viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Woe betide any black woman like Candace Owens mm-hmm. who doesn't go along with the, the script. Uh, they, you know, talk about racism and yeah. abuse. The abuse she cops is disgusting. Oh, it's it's really gross. If you go into those common threads on Twitter, uh, it's I mean, the the lowest of the low. It happened to Tim Scott, too. But oh. I would I mean, that's honestly most of Twitter and most of the left is they run on a lot of bile. They really do. And they run on a lot of moral superiority. You know, they just want they just want to be better than somebody. So most of their attempts at political engagement are just calling somebody else either a name or, you know, white supremacist yeah. or a fascist. It's really is. It's bizarre. I always say, Miranda, like, remember the Brad Pitt movie Fight Club? Yeah. I always say Twitter is a fight club for people who don't want to get hit. You know, you could just <laughs> But but here's a news flash. Some of them need to get hit is what I was going to say. That's all. You don't have to co-sign that. Um No, it's funny my husband always says that because I grew up without brothers and mm-hmm. he and I now only have boys in my family including the dog and he says to me that I needed a brother because <laughs> I'm too precious sometimes but they so they, they all knock it out of me. <laughs> Listen, is but it? But it's true. They're... You know, you, you if you if you if you didn't get beaten up in the schoolyard or mm. beaten up at home, mm. metaphorically of course, um, then you, you know, and you you're pugnacious. You yep. just have, don't know the limits. You need to have been beaten up a few times to understand the limits of aggression and, and to pull your punches. And that's why you find I find 
some of the most um, experienced fighters, whether they're, you know, cage fighters, boxers, or, you know, military people um, who've been in the special forces, um, they are the most kind of, I don't know, calm, zen people in an aggressive situation. Whereas people who've never fought, have never been in battle, they they get pumped up, you know, and road yeah. rage and all of this. They don't understand what happens when aggression starts and how difficult it is to stop it. That's a great point. So uh, I'm assuming you've already started a fight club that we don't know about. <laughs> Only with myself. All right. Well, we're not supposed to talk about fight club. That is a rule from the movie. So I will let yeah. you be. Uh, Miranda, you know, you're the coolest. We'll do it again soon. Okay, pal. Thanks, Jimmy. Great we'll, to talk to you. You too. There she goes. The great Miranda Devine starting a fight club. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew this was going on in the, in the Miranda household right now? It's crazy out there. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Thaler. You know, so, uh. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This show is heading out on the road. Uh, October, November is going to be nuts. Uh, you know we're in Oklahoma next week. Tickets at TicketStorm.com if you want to see us at the Chisholm Trail Expo Center. The following week, I'm in Ottumwa, Iowa at the Bridgeview Center. That's Saturday night, the 15th. Tickets for that at Ticketmaster.com. And then I'll be in Spokane, Washington. Hey, girl. That is Friday night, October the 28th. Saturday night, October the 29th. Uh, tickets at the Spokane Comedy Club. Hit their website. Go get them. Uh, the following week is in Vegas. Those are both sold out, but you can still hang out with me in the casino. And then the word on the street is we're heading down to East Texas, uh, the Fox Across America crew, and then we'll be on to the Patriot Awards down in Florida. We are all over the map, man. Fox Across America. Living up to its campaign promise. You'll remember that when we launched this show, it was called Fox Across America. It's like, ah, oh, we got this comedian hosting the show. He'll go on the road all the time. The minute we launch the show, <laughs> nope, the pandemic hit, and we spent the first year was a home game. I'm certainly not complaining. There are worse fates to have endured during that year. Uh, but the point is now we're getting to live up to our promise, and it's exciting. Exciting to get out there and meet you guys. So if you're in any of these markets, Iowa, Oklahoma, Spokane, Vegas, you know, whatever you're doing, Texas, come hang out. Come hang out with your radio buddy. I always I have a great time. Last night, really quickly, we were here in New York after I left Fox. Me and my buddy Dean went over to Bobby Van's Steakhouse on 46th and Park. And it's funny because, you know, everybody thinks New York is so liberal. Dude, we have a lot, a lot of Fox News fans in this town. Like, I get stopped constantly in restaurants and on the street, and not in the way you think you would. You know what I mean? Like, some liberal being like, screw you, Fox News. No, everybody's like, hey, man, nice to meet you. I love you on Fox. Wow. Oh, they're all, like, really complimentary and nice. I'm going to find out, like, somebody's paying him to say this stuff to build me up. Like, you know when Cable Guy, when he gets his buddy the hooker to get his confidence back? <laughs> That's what's going on here. Like, this hot girl really likes me. Hubba, hubba. And then you find out she's on the clock. Oh, man. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. We're getting ready for a big hour on the show. Things are going to get a little nuts over here. 
800-848-9910 if you want to be a part of this shindig. Jason Meister is Republican strategist, uh, worked on the Trump campaign. Uh, Brian Morgenstern also going to join us. He was, of course, a deputy press secretary under Kayleigh McEnany in the White House. Him and his wife put out a cookbook, uh, Dinner Table Stories from the Trump White House, where he dishes on some dirt from inside the White House, gives you a couple of cocktail recipes. I always loved Morgan Stern when he was in the White House. So nice to have him on. Move some product. Maybe somebody needs a cookbook. I don't know that I'm allowed to use this thing. I've been eating like a wild man. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, uh, but I'll turn it around soon. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want to be my personal trainer. Uh, also, uh, the phone number, if you just want to weigh in on this Twitter development, we've got a wild uh, story coming out where Elon Musk has agreed to go through with the purchase of Twitter. People are seeing gigantic swings in their follower counts, Twitter bots. You know, t- Elon Musk accused Twitter of saying, you know, hey, 30 percent of the accounts here are fake. And Twitter, of course, was like, no, that's not true. We'll see you in court. Well, anyway, they made a deal last night to go through with the sale. And lo and behold, a lot of us lost 5,000, 10,000 followers instantaneously, probably because the people at Twitter that had padded stats with bots needed to get rid of them before Elon Musk takes over. You know, the old cleaning up because your parents are coming home and you had a wild keg party. Twitter's going through the end of the movie Risky Business where they have to, like, put everything back in the living room and make it look like it was on the up and up the whole time. The only problem is <laughs> the Porsche, which rolled down the hill and ended up in the pond. So it's yet to be seen whether or not Twitter can tow that out. But we talk about this. Why? Because the Twitter censorship regime, the big tech oligarchs, who were able to swing the 2020 election by killing the Hunter Biden laptop story, definitely played a role in influencing the outcome on a really dramatic scale. We now know that based on the polling that shows 20 percent of Biden voters would have changed their vote had they known the Hunter story. But everyone on the left up until now has said what? Oh, Twitter doesn't favor us. Would you shut up? It's not a big deal. And now that Twitter is changing hands, they're all losing their minds. Democrats are so full of crap. The reason they're losing their minds is because censorship has really been, you know, their biggest weapon. And when it comes to the political arena, it's never their ideas. It's never their policies. It's always some type of social pressure coupled with censorship. We got to de-platform these guys. Their views are a risk of, you know, violence. You can't say the vaccine doesn't work. But the vaccine, you know, doesn't stop people from getting COVID. You know, but you think about every rule that was made, everything that was tagged a conspiracy theory by Twitter was ultimately proven true. Okay, you couldn't tweet the Hunter Biden laptop story. Couldn't do it. No way. Uh Uh-uh. Hell no. Get him out of here. We'll ban your account right now. What do we find out the minute the election's over? All the places, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, that ban the Hunter Biden laptop story, turn around and tell you what? They tell you that it's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, it turns out the whole thing was true. Okay. COVID. You can't say COVID originated in a lab. Come on, man. It's conspiracy theory. It's going to get people mad at Chinese people. You can't do it. No good, you can't. What happens? Election comes and goes. Everybody's like, oh, by the way, yeah, probably originated in a lab. In fact, 99.9% of all experts out there believe it originated in a lab. The only person who's not co-signing it entirely is Dr. Fauci. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. But it was the same thing with the vaccine. Oh, you can't say vaccinated people don't get, you know, get COVID. That's just not true. Folks, we've had over... 
over a million breakthrough COVID cases. Uh, we've had over 10 million when you get it into boosted uh, territory of people who've taken the vaccine and still gotten the virus they thought they were vaccinated against. Okay, all of these things that get banned from Twitter turned and labeled conspiracy theories turn out to be true. Okay, the only it's weird, but the only conspiracy theory uh, that you're still allowed to tweet to this day is that Russia stole the 2016 election. You could tweet that left and right. They won't throw you off Twitter. And that's the biggest conspiracy theory we've ever seen is that Vladimir Putin had seized control of our government from afar and he was now in charge. You know, you were able to tweet that. okay, because that helped the regime. But the things that hurt the regime, you're no longer allowed to tweet. That could all change hands with Elon Musk taking over. And a lot of people on the left are losing it. <laughs> it is kind of funny to watch. It is because, you know, remember when they banned Donald Trump, they were like, Twitter's the private company. They can do whatever they want. And now Twitter's changing ownership. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Come on. There's a threat to democracy. We're all going to die. Really wild to see this hypocrisy in action in real time. Uh, NBC News reporter Ben Collins, he tweeted, For those of you asking, yes, I do think this site Twitter can and will change pretty dramatically if Musk gets full control over it. No, there is no immediate replacement for Twitter, but if it gets done early enough, based on the people he's aligned with, yes, it could actually affect the midterms. What the hell did you just say? Do you know what that means when he says it could affect the midterms? It means they were very much banking on their ability to censor stories and limit the reach of conservative posts in the run-up to the midterms. That's what this is about. That's why they're freaking out. You see, it's bigger than just saying, all right, here's a couple of things that are damaging to the regime and we're not going to let you share them. like not letting you share the hunter biden laptop story okay boom that was election interference but what they do is all of the other stories they do let you share you follow they minimize the reach of the posts so it's not quite banning so much as it is called shadow banning well here's a story that's good for republicans so we're going to slap a filter on it, and we're going to make sure it only goes to 1% of this guy's followers. We'll let him share it. Don't get me wrong. We're just not going to let a lot of people see it. Okay, that's what Mark Zuckerberg admitted to when he was talking to Joe Rogan. The FBI came to him before the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, broke and said, hey, we're going to have some Russian disinformation coming down the pike on Hunter Biden you know, we advise you to throttle this story and don't let it get shared a lot. Now, understand, the FBI was doing this knowing full well that the Hunter Biden laptop was real because their own director of national intelligence here in America corroborated the contents of the laptop. Hunter Biden's business partner corroborated the contents of the laptop. So the FBI was very much engaged, very much engaged in election interference. So when people say, like, is there a deep state? Is there, like, some establishment that, you know, tries to swing things? Absolutely. Okay, I can't prove this, but there's Rasmussen polling out today, okay, that, that shows that over 55% of Americans, 55% of Americans, and it breaks down along party lines, okay, believe there was malfeasance in the 2020 election. 55% of Americans, 75% of Republicans. 35% of Democrats, 55% of black voters, 61% of Latino voters all believe that there was some type of steal going on in the election. Come on, man. Nobody, you want to know why the number's gone up, by the way? 
It's not because they're doing a lot of chatter about it in the news. It's because the more people watch Joe Biden in office, the harder it is to believe that 81 million people voted for this mess. I agree with that. That's what they're dealing with. Okay. The fact that the FBI has taken the steps it did to limit stories like Hunter, the fact that Biden is wandering around talking to dead people and doesn't know what country he's in half the time, these things in concert make a lot of people think there must have been some kind of a scam. So it's really wild because as Twitter kind of has a grand reopening, if in fact this turns into an idea battle, where you're really allowed to share your ideas when it comes to things like the border, trans rights, the economy, anything in between. Okay, the Democrats are in really big trouble. You know, when you hear Ben Collins, when you hear an NBC political reporter flat out admitting this could have big implications for the midterms, what he's saying is Twitter used to be on the Democratic side of the aisle. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. 99% of the political donations from Twitter, 99% of them happen to be on the Democratic side of the aisle. So they were very much reliant on this. But you understand what that means is in our current political climate, we're not actually debating anything. It's not like the Democrats want to do it this way, the Republicans want to do it that way. Okay, that's not how we're deciding elections now. What we're doing now is the Republicans put forth an idea. The Democrats label it hateful, hate speech, transphobic, homophobic. The big techs limit the reach of the story, and we have no engagement on the issue. It's like abortion. Think about it. We talked to Carrie Lake yesterday. She could be the next governor from Arizona. She's being called an extremist because she wants to let babies live. So she's the extremist in a conversation where her opponent, Katie Hobbs, wants you to be able to abort a baby right up until the day it's born. That's actually infanticide. But we're supposed to believe that she's on the right side of this thing and the woman who just wants to let babies live is the extremist. You understand we're not having a real conversation. Okay, the Democrats are creating words. Okay, oftentimes distorting the meaning of those words. And then when Republicans push back rightfully on fact and substance, Twitter's been there to shut it down. Well, that's not a thing anymore. Okay, and the same Democrats who told us it doesn't matter who owns these big tech companies and Republicans need to shut up are about to find out that it absolutely does. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. The book is called Vignettes and Vino, Dinner Table Stories from the Trump White House. The author, or at least the co-author anyway, is Brian Morgenstern. He wrote this with his wife, Teresa, and he joins us now. Yo, man. Yo, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on, bud. All right, listen, dude. I was trying to explain this book to everybody at the tippy top of the hour so they just knew what they were getting into. Okay? It's a cookbook, but you're really, like, allowing them to relive your time in the White House and get some inside baseball as to how things went down. So it's like, I love that. Like, you're basically offering cocktail recipes to go with, like, these earth-shattering revelations that are going to make people want to drink. Is that a best good way to describe it? That's exactly right. It is your one-stop shop 
for a party with interesting content. It will make you laugh, maybe cry. It might make you mad sometimes. Mm. Uh, and then you got your liquid therapy suggestions right there with it. Oh, you know, absolutely. Um, like, to- I'm, I'm, I was, we were reading this morning about citrus sangria, okay? And uh, citrus sangria, without even getting into the specifics of the beverage, uh, pairs with a Chapter 15 called Pfizer, the FBA, and the Biden campaign colluded to rig the election, which is it's such a great to read that in a cookbook. You know what I mean? There's places I expect to read that a cookbook, not one of them. But I just find it. It's all so light and breezy. And they're like, oh, by the way, they rigged the election. Uh, but you kind of talk in great detail about how there was a little bit of chicanery going on when it came to releasing uh, the approval for the vaccine and everything. Oh, there was more than a little chicanery going on. And in fact, uh, Ezekiel Emanuel, who's Rahm Emanuel's brother, remember Rahm was mm-hmm. Obama's chief of staff. His brother is a doctor, MSNBC contributor, uh, was an advisor to the Biden campaign, was out in public basically bragging about how he was advising uh, Pfizer how to talk about these things. He was writing publicly about how the FDA should not grant approval before the election because it would benefit Trump, and we couldn't possibly have that. So, uh, you know, follow the political science, I think, was the advice there, and that's what they did. I think everybody kind of knew because they held back the data until, like, the day the media called the election for Biden, and then they released it. Uh, But that is just one of many examples of the science being politicized, which is not good for the country, obviously. Well, it's no, absolutely not. And it's it's just so weird. You know, it reminds me of the book, the movie Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. Like he has everybody dead to rights by the end of the movie, but no one's going along with anything. And they're just like, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Do you ever get the feeling that there is enough special interest in D.C. that we're just watching the movie Chinatown? A little bit. And I, I kind of uh, went into that a, a tad because mm-hmm. when you have the bureaucracy – and people like Fauci, who've been there for 47,000 years, and who they're the accepted voice, whether they're right or wrong. And then you have that voice get amplified by corporate media to the extent that it is, and all dissent suppressed. You have upside down world in Washington governing the country, which where the rest of the country is living you know, in hopefully common sense world. Um, it's really a big disconnect, and that's why, by the way, in 2016, the American people didn't really elect a Republican or Democrat. They elected a bull in a china shop to just knock over the apple cart and start over, and I think that's kind of what Trump was trying to do, but he ran into, obviously, a lot of resistance. Did he ever? Uh, the book is called Vignettes and Vino. I'm discussing it with author Brian Morgenstern. This is available wherever fine books are sold. Uh, you'll get a lot of White House stories. You get a lot of you get a little lot of drinking advice. It really is weird. This this book, Brian, is like you're a life coach, but you're not trying to help people control their life. I feel like you're actually driving them downhill, but I respect this. It's a different approach to a cookbook. Is usually a cookbook is like save time, feed the kids before practice. This is like no, get pissed off at the establishment and drink some sangria. It's great. <laughs> well, we wanted to share. If there's some of that. Uh, we wanted to share really our experience at you know with front row seats to history, yep. flying around on Air Force One, having meetings in the Oval Office in the Situation Room, getting to know all these household names, uh-huh. uh, and we just wanted to share that. 
yeah, with people. Cool. No, but, it's it's good access. When, I I mean, honestly, I love the security clearance aspect of the book. One of the things I'm cutting you off because I want to hear about this while we have time. You guys were talking about Tiger King on Air Force One. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> so I was with Kaylee McEnany, of course, mm-hmm. the great press secretary. We were sitting in the president's cabin on Air Force One. Uh, president and chief of staff Mark Meadows were there, and the president had been asked by Stephen Nelson from the New York Post if he was going to pardon the Tiger King. <laughs> and he had said, you know, I hadn't really watched the show. I, I guess I'll look into it. Um, we were sitting in the president's cabin. Of course, this this made Twitter and the Internet, like, explode that the Tiger King might get a pardon. And Kaylee was talking about tweeting just a tiger emoji mm-hmm. with nothing else, no other context, to try to, like, yes. see what people would do and lose their mind. Um, anyway, we discussed it briefly. Chief of Staff uh, basically said, look, he's convicted of a murder-for-hire scheme. We probably don't want to get involved in that, and we moved on. <laughs> but it was a brief but hilarious, bizarre uh, interaction Listen. that I had on Air Force One with Kaylee, <laughs> the president, Mark Meadows. I wanted to share it because it's so strange. It's a win. I, and, I, and I do think if we were objectively speaking, though, had he pardoned him, most Americans would probably rather be governed by Joe Exotic than Joe Biden, No. A hundred percent. By the way, Joe Exotic had a very creative campaign tactic. A lot of people don't remember what he he did have the Tiger Museum. He was running for office and he put his face on condoms, which was a very interesting, innovative campaign tactic (laughs) uh, that is just not talked about that much. Joe Joe Exotic, ahead of his time as a politician. Um, Brian Morgenstern, ahead of his time as an author, I'm telling you, this is a debauched cookbook. Everyone will love the recipes. You'll probably start a militia by the end of the book. It's going to be wonderful. Um, Thanks for giving me a few minutes here, bro. Let's catch up soon offline. You bet. That sounds great. Thanks, Jimmy. You're the best. The great Brian Morgenstern. Go buy vignettes and vino. Hear all about the White House. Drink some of his fancy cocktails. And I'm telling you, you'll be really worked up by the end of this book. And a little fatter, too. But it's a great book. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Interesting guest to have on right now. I love this guy. Personally, we get on great. But at a time when Joe Biden is polling historically low, uh, this is the one guy I know who still supports Joe Biden. Joining us now to explain why Jason Meister is here. Hey, man. Oh, we lost him. I think I was kidding in his intro, and I think he just quits. He was like, I'm not taking the intro. Get him back on the line. <laughs> Jason Meister's back on the line. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I thought you hung up because I introduced you as a Joe Biden supporter. <laughs> That's pretty funny. No, we, we lost connection, but I, but I appreciate you having me on, Jimmy. Of course, but I would have understood if you hung up. Uh, I was joking. I said Biden's polling low. Jason <laughs> Meister still has his back. So the audience understands you were an advisory board member for Trump 2020 um, and, and someone who has been very at- adamant that Trump should probably give this another go. But I want to start with the current guy, since you were kind enough to join us today. Um, Every talk, everything I hear about the idea of Biden running again in 2024 just sounds mean to me. Like, do you watch this and feel like it would be fair to make him go through the motions of this gig for another day, let alone another four years? 
Jimmy, I think it's elder abuse. Uh, I don't think any serious person in this country actually believes that Joe Biden uh, is going to run again. Mm-hmm. I know that he said something recently that Al Sharpton to, to that to that effect. Mm-hmm. But I, I really don't think any serious person actually believes that Joe Biden is going to run again. I think that if you look at the Democrats, uh, you know, in 2020, they really chose the, they really had no viable two term candidate run to run. Mm-hmm. They chose the most complicit, compliant, uh, corrupt, m- mentally absent candidate they could, I think, to do as much damage as they could in the allotted amount of, amount of time. I think that's what Build Back Better is really all about. I think it's it's, you know, basically the controlled destruction so they could build back better in their green uh, utopian nightmare. Uh, and, and I think that's what we're, we're seeing play out as we speak. And that's why I don't think that they seem very scared about his poll numbers, to be frank about it. I mean, historically speaking, when a president is getting battered in the polls, they typically pivot on certain issues to, to, to gain better in the polls. Here you have them quadruple downing on, on these failed policies. It's bizarre. We're talking to Jason Meister. And uh, listen, you're right to say I think they're on like a shopping spree. You know, they they have this brief window to control all three branches and they have tried to enact, you know, some radical things. I mean, the climate stuff is nuts because we're only in this position where, you know, OPEC cutting production is hurting our oil. Uh, our, our energy prices because we declared war on fossil fuels. And obviously the border stuff, as you know, is nuts. But my question to you on all of this is um, knowing you said like it's like an intentional destruction that will allow them to build back this green energy utopia. I know some people believe this is a good thing and maybe I guess bless their hearts. They don't know any better. But I want to believe there are enough people in Washington, and maybe you can tell me whether this is true or false, that that know deep down we can't live without fossil fuels. Like, are, are the stupid people in charge? Like, how did we get to this place? Because we can't just say, like, no fossil fuels tomorrow and not wind up with, like, a starved country. So how do we do that? And why why is anyone even saying that? Yeah, look, I, I do think that this is not incompetence. I think this is in, in, intentional. Uh, I, I do think there is incompetence in this administration, but I think that their goals uh, of, of tr- trying to transition us to electric energy, electric, clean energy, renewable energy, and away from fossil fuels and, and gasoline. And I think that is intentional. I think that they actually want to see $10 a gallon uh, while they are saying that they're trying to get the gas to, to go lower uh, because they want to force this upon us, uh, this transition. And I think it's, it's extremely dangerous. But I do think there are some rational people in D.C. Uh, that understand that this is extremely dangerous. There is no climate emergency. There is a many emergencies right now in this country, but climate is not one of them. Uh, so hopefully the smarter people prevail. And I think the only way that we're going to effectuate change going the way that we are in, in, in the path that we're in right now is for the Republicans to take both the House and the Senate. You know, it'd be nice. Uh, I think it's going to be a really wild chance, uh, you know, run between now and between now and then. Like Pelosi said last night that the Democrats are going to hold the House. I, listen, man, if, if that if that's the case, we need to take away her car keys and her husband's car keys because that's not good. <laughs> I, right. I, I don't see the House. I mean, the Senate, they're trying everything they can on Herschel Walker. But isn't it so fascinating, like what they will do to a black conservative versus a liberal conservative? Because there's really no boundary. Like you can do anything to a black conservative. Yeah, no, there's no boundaries. It's really just about 
galvanizing the political opposition. That's what you saw in that that recent speech that Joe Biden gave, uh, you know, where he basically demonized half the country. Um, but it's really getting to a point where it's getting a very da- it's becoming dangerous. I mean, I feel hunted myself. I, I, I told my wife the other day, don't be surprised if the FBI shows up at our door. Uh, and she said, what? What are you talking about? And I said, are you, do you see what's happening right now in this country? They're demonizing the, the other, the, their political opposition. They're effectively uh, calling us Hitler, racist, xenophobic, uh, uh, Stalin. I mean, they're, they're basically calling us what they are actually, they are actually doing. So they're the, they're the fascists. They're the ones that locked down the country. They're the, one that, the ones that forced our children in elementary school to wear masks for seven hours a day where they breathe. Uh, they're the ones who are inflicting pain on the American people. Uh, and so it's just interesting to see, you know, how dangerous it has gotten. Yeah, it's pretty nuts out there. I mean, the difference between your your wife and mine, though, is my wife wants me to get taken away. So she wouldn't be upset. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, what's taking so long? Come on, Merrick Garland. You call yourself an attorney general? Let's go. She's like, I got the proof right here. But you're right. There's a weird degree of, like, othering going on. And I think that's how they build sentiment you know, to justify the crackdowns that they do, the constitutional abuses that they do. If we're all literally Hitler, then they can literally be violating everyone's constitutional rights. But to me, that speaks to a desperation. Like we're watching that desperation play out with the Twitter sale because Twitter really was their most useful weapon in that they were censoring conservative views and they were driving news cycles under false pretenses most of the time. So – I mean, what do you what what percentage of liberals do you think are drinking heavily over this Elon Musk news? Look, I think a large percentage of them, I, I think a majority of them, um, because they've effectively uh, they, they've become addicted to this censorship in America. And it's really incredible to, to witness. And if you looked at on Twitter, some of these left leaning um, uh, media uh, personalities, Lately, they're 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 freaking out over it. I mean, I have I'm the father of two elementary age children, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that there's an exquisite comparison to how my children react when I take away their iPads to the way that the left is <laughs> reacting to Elon Musk finalizing his Twitter uh, a purchase. It's... it's like they're they're petulant children, and you're taking away this addictive toy that they've been able to use to manipulate. Right. The, 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 the public modern public square. And that's really what social media and Twitter is. It's the modern public square. I never understood the idea of going out and starting your own platform or, you know, leaving the battlefield. I, because to me, if we're just going to be continuing to speak to uh, into a vacuum of, of people that we agree with already, we're not really having a debate. We need to have a healthy debate in this country. So for Elon Musk to look at the battlefield and say, I'm not leaving the battlefield, I'll buy the battlefield. <laughs> that, to me, is the way to go. That's the way you win. You don't, you don't leave the battlefield and yeah. go, to, go, go you know, create your own little battlefield where you have everyone on your side. Yeah. You need to buy the battlefield. That's what Elon Musk is doing. No, it's, that, that's a win. I mean, that, that's where Twitter can change the culture in a way that the other apps can't because the other apps have two. It's, you know, they're overwhelmingly conservative, which is nice, but you're not getting to engage in the same idea battle. So I think that's a good point. Um, one other thing I wanted to throw at you, I mean, because you are also a huge fan of Kareem Jean-Pierre. Um, is, have you ever seen anyone better at their job than KJP? Oh, there's no question. I mean, I every time she answers a question, first of all, she's reading literally off of the sheet. Doesn't look up when yeah. she doesn't even like 
try to look up from from what she's reading. And I, I just love Peter Ducey and, and the way he he puts, you know puts her in a corner on all of these questions. Um, but you know, you just look at her reading off of these papers, and you think back to the days when Kaylee McEnany yeah. would come out with a binder full of things, and literally every single person that was asking her question was was like teething and and looking to destroy her. And this this other this other one has everyone on her side. It's yeah. it's incredible to watch. It's it is it's it's so wild, man. The only time she ever took any actual heat. Like, Ducey asks her fair questions, but he doesn't do a Jim Acosta. He doesn't stand up and be like, you know, you're a white supremacist getting people killed. What do you think of this new, you know, it's always just an attack. Ducey's asking her fair questions, and she gets a little contentious, but it's not a fair fight. But last week when Biden was talking to dead people, the press, to their credit, was incredulous. They asked a lot of questions about, hey, what the hell was that? Uh, But amazingly, nobody in the media covered it ever again. Like, we all talked about it. We all joked about, you know, Biden being the kid from the sixth sense but nobody in the media has ever actually circled back to that as jen Psaki might say but i would think you know what i mean when you got the president of the united states basically holding a seance i feel like it's worth a little more interest than we've shown no no question by the way going back to what you just said i i can't stand i i actually stop myself dead in the track every time i say circle back to someone I in know. my workplace you have to acknowledge it right call, I, yep. I i just so you know what i use is revert back i cannot it, it actually hurts my stomach to say circle back at this point <laughs> uh, she really coined that phrase but i i use revert back now at this point it would have been so it would have been so much cooler if she did the gwen stefani and said holla back <laughs> just, it would have looked good at a White House press conference. I'll holler back to you on that one. That's probably a cultural appropriation in there somewhere, and that's why you can't. What a dumb time to be alive. Um, Meister, don't get locked up by the FBI if you do. Give me a call, though, okay, brother? You got it, man. Good stuff. We'll do it again soon. Be well. Thanks for having me. You too, man. There he goes, the great Jason Meister. He's got a lot to say about this stuff. And, uh, you know, when you really look at the state of the country – when you look at how reliant they were in this administration uh, on just really not – there's nothing going on of substance. You know, one of the worst things in the world, okay, is when you get a boxing match and nobody's hitting anybody for 12 rounds. Just watching a lot of holding, a lot of clenching, you know. One of, you know, James Bonecrusher Smith is a hell of a heavyweight, fought Mike Tyson uh, in the 80s and just held on to him. The, the whole fight just held on to him. And uh, it was a really frustrating fight to watch because you really didn't see a lot of, like, engagement per se. What we get now in Washington is a lot of, like, holding, a lot of tying up. You know, there's not a real engagement. There's a distortion of a Republican position. That's extreme. That's, you know, white supremacist. That's transphobic. But there's not, like, an engagement on issues. Like, the Democrats don't ever want to talk about the issue of what they call gender-affirming care, which is five-year-old kids being allowed to decide they want to surgically alter their bodies. Okay, no, five-year-old kids should not have that right. That's insane. Okay, kids are still developing. They go through constant phases. I'm not saying if they grow up they shouldn't be allowed to become trans, but the fact that you're doing something irreversible at the age of five, okay, and we're never really discussing whether or not that's right or wrong. We're just saying that if you're opposed to it, you're somehow hateful. That's not a real idea battle. That's just holding. That's just clenching. That's just obstruction. And it's the same thing on the border. What are we talking about on the border? Last year, when things were out of control, they started a pretend fight over border agents whipping migrants. 
Now, the photographer who took that photo and shot the video was like, no, that's stupid. Would you stop it? Nobody was getting whipped. They had split rein horses. But that became the tie-up, so we didn't talk about the actual border. When DeSantis shipped migrants up to Martha's Vineyard, oh, that's human trafficking. That's inhumane, said the same people who ignored actual human traffickers suffocating migrants to death in tractor trailers. Okay, again, they're not confronting the issue head on. And I think if you listen at home, the reason Republicans are excited about maybe Elon Musk really taking control of Twitter and liberating the platform is because they love their ideas. That's the difference between Republicans and the Democrats. The Democrats keep saying, oh, America needs to have a conversation. But they don't mean that. What they mean is agree with us or we'll cancel you. We'll pressure your sponsors. We'll come to your place of work. We'll protest outside your house. They don't mean a good faith exchange of ideas. There's only one party doing that right now, and that's what terrifies the Democrats. Every time they say America needs to have a conversation in air quotes, the Republicans are like, hell yeah. And that's the big fear about Twitter changing hands is it's going to turn into the real idea battle we've all been longing for on the right. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like it's a it's a game changer. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon wrapping things up for the week here in New York. I am headed off to Oklahoma where I'll be doing the show live Friday from KRMG down in Tulsa. Uh, Saturday night, we will, of course, be at the Chisholm Trail Expo Center doing a 7 o'clock show if you want to come see your radio buddy. Courtesy of 96.9 The Eagle. Thank them. Uh, the tickets for that are available at Ticketstorm.com, and it's going to be nuts. Uh, right now, nuts. Best way to describe our political climate. Man, oh boy, oh man. You know, I always try to have like a what have we learned at the end of the day when it comes to politics and the things we've covered. And, you know, what we learned today is there's this, this actual indifference, like a dereliction of duty from the media in terms of looking into, number one, obviously, these Hunter Biden revelations that are popping up everywhere. But as a guy who tries to prioritize the things you care about, you know, crime, inflation, the border, the economy, I think it's hard to get away from the fact that, you know, OPEC gave Biden the finger. Gas prices look like they're going to go back up in the short term. And the White House has more concern with, you know, blunting the impact between now and the midterms than they do addressing the long term issue. And I think that's the real challenge for Democrats going into the midterms is nobody, nobody is buying what they're selling. And here was Steve Kornacki at MSNBC said so earlier, Biden is dragging down the whole thing with his agenda. Here's clip 34. We always say the president's job approval rating Usually the most reliable indicator of how midterms are going to go for Democrats. This is not good news. Joe Biden's average approval rating is 42.7 percent. Put that in perspective here with modern presidents at this exact same point in their first midterm. And Biden's right at the same level that Trump, uh, that Obama, that Bill Clinton were in what were brutal midterms for them. The only exception in modern times, George W. Bush a year after 9-11. You see what this meant. For Trump, he lost the House in 18. For Obama, his party lost the House in 10. For Bill Clinton, his party lost the House in 94. Biden's approval rating is right in that range. That's the bad news for Democrats. Biden sucks. Okay, it's a mess. There is no good news, by the way. You know, I mean, the truth is, I guess if you were looking for a silver lining, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. Uh, The good news would be they get to pick a new 
candidate in 2024. Because Biden's not running again. There's no world where he's running again. Um, you know, he's just wildly unpopular. I will commend him. He's down in Florida. The president did meet with Ron DeSantis just a few moments ago. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And I will always applaud bipartisans' efforts to help people. Because when it does come to storm relief... I do think people should be bigger than politics. That's the whole point of this show every day is I come on the air and I sound like I'm getting paid in Tide Pods and cheap tequila because I'm just trying to show you some humanity. OK, I'm trying to show you a a very flawed individual trying to just, you know, break through to people and get you to realize we all do want the same things, maybe not in the same quantities uh, that I'm consuming them in. Uh, But now's no time for an intervention. We'll be doing that this week in Oklahoma. I am out of here. I'll see everybody on the ground down in the 405. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.